0: view up to Saturday afternoon sounds to me like a good time to head on up the mountain every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. tune in to high in a mountain Maine's only show dedicated exclusively to old-time music from some of the first recordings ever etched on vinyl to the folk revival of the 60s to today's young string bands we cover it all so come along on a musical exploration of the hills and hollers of southern Appalachia that's high in a mountain every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. on your community radio station WERU Support for WERU comes from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at
1: Mainboats.com.
2: Who stands for truth, justice, and the American way? It's Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, and on the web at weru.org. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of
3: Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Boat Talk with your hosts, Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce, is up next.
4: Boat, and I to good morning, good morning. It's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock, here at Community Radio, WERU FM Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and Gulf streaming around the world at WERU.org. Boat Talk is a calling show for uh, people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague, here to uh, give you a uh, Dingy advice to thwart even the stoutest boat builder. That's a good string of them there, Alan. (laughs) Alan starts with a pun. Yeah, and I have another, well, semi-pun to get to in a little bit, too, from our friend Jeff Gold, who has been uh, helping the restoration of the uh, Charles W. Morgan whale ship. Right. 170-some years old. But we'll get around to that in a little bit. What what else will we get around to? We uh,
1: have a lot of little things. Yeah, we're talking about it, and... uh, Sometimes it's hard not to overbook this hour. So we've underbooked this hour. <laughs> and it is uh, um, just a matter of fact that we haven't taken a call from a non-guest for the last two months. We That's had Cap- right. We okay. had Captain Kelly on. That's remarkable. Uh, yacht Captain, uh, Captain Kelly in uh, uh, January. Mm-hmm. And in February we had uh, uh, Bob... Uh, Bob... Uh, Bob Curtis. Bob Curtis, thank you. uh, Who was stranded on the bell buoy uh, back in 1984 for 27 hours on a night in January where it just wasn't very nice out. uh, Got a lot of feedback on that. I tell you what, I recommend that if you are at all interested and you didn't hear that story, you go to uh, boattalk.org or weru.org and the programs are archived there, podcasted. if you like a good sea story, that, I think, is the second best sea story we've ever had. The um, first one involved uh, a lot more money. So. <laughs> uh, the first one, we would say, would be Skip Strong uh, rescuing uh, the yes. tug in a May Day situation with his loaded oil tanker next to a shoal off of Florida thereby winning the largest marine salvage award in history because the tug was not an ordinary tug. It was towing a space shuttle booster. Mm -hmm. And the United States government protested the award, and then it got kicked up. And uh, that's probably the best sea story we've ever had. But the Bob Curtis one from last month, boy, that that was just something. And if you think about it, um, our ability to survive uh, a lot depends on making fire just in general. You know, none of us would survive the winter without heat, even this winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are people that get lost out in the woods. It kills me. They get lost out in the woods, and, and they spend the night without making a fire, which kind of blows me away. All you need is a Bic lighter and theoretically two sticks. But, you know, uh, never go out in the woods in the wintertime without a Bic lighter. But uh, Bob was able to make fire on an ice-covered bell buoy.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Which is extraordinary if you think about it. And that was the difference for his survival in that situation. He was being blown offshore in a very small boat when he snagged that buoy. And uh, he ended up burning his hip waders. And it was a very hot, smoky, uh, uh, toxic fire <clears throat> that turned his so. face black and everything. But it, it dried him out and provided heat and also cheer. But he made fire on an ice-covered bell buoy. It was yeah. just extraordinary. And... Uh, you know, highly recommend if you if you didn't hear that account, it's in the first part of
4: last month's program. Go check it out on the Computer. Yeah. And uh, do you want to begin with some of your little things first? Oh, uh, let's uh first off, uh you know, if we talked to anybody this morning, we should have probably
1: called uh the people down to the boat school in Eastport. Mm-hmm. The uh, arrangements have.
4: Well, speaking of calling, let me throw out the phone number for oh, everybody. Good man. That'd probably be a good idea. Uh, our toll free call in number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you have anything at all you'd like to talk about boat talking, you know this is Women's History Month, we're probably would be very good if we could talk to some of the women boaters out there. And once again, we had uh, Captain Kelly Clicker, who's a,
1: a yacht captain, spent right. most of her career down in the Caribbean, and uh, uh, mostly on power boats, and and uh, talked to her about what it's like to be a female yacht captain, and she didn't see any disadvantages, hardly at all. I see none either. And there are, again, some advantages, so there. Um, it's an open boat this morning, though, so to speak. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, open boat, and uh, we are you know, basically dedicating the uh, program this morning to talking to you. And, again, if you want to wander up and kick the keel, we'll drop what we're doing and and definitely speak with you. There are a couple little things in the news. And, again, the uh, arrangements down to the Boat School in Esport have changed. It is uh, no longer um, owned by the uh, town of Esport and administered by Husson College. It is now owned by the Friends of the Boat School. And it is... Uh, a hopeful future but it's been a struggle in the past mm-hmm. and it depends i would think mostly on students showing up and <laughs> paying the tuition and uh... you know making a good feedback loop with the boating industry there the uh, boat school enjoys a very good reputation they've uh, uh, lots of people around that we've we've uh, run into at different bow yards of boat school graduates not uncommon at all in the marine industry down here um, they need students and so that's the message that we're uh, putting out this morning it is not only a chance for an education but in in my experience uh you know working in the marine industry being a boat builder and especially for me delivering boats has been an adventure and uh, uh, yeah you know it's it's a good trade and uh no matter what you think about the uh, economy of the United States, uh, whether or not certain people are raking too much off the top, uh, they're buy—they're still buying boats, God bless them. You know?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the high-enders don't seem to be getting slowed down at all. Well, and again, uh, you
1: know, uh, the boat school down to eSport, if you're thinking of uh, any kind of educational opportunity for you or, or uh, somebody that... That you know, uh, we would
4: like to recommend it highly. Yep, and y- there is a link, I believe, in our w our boat talk dot yes. org. Yes, and the phone yes. rang. Yes. God bless it. And we do have a phone call. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
5: Hi, this is Gray from Hancock, hey, Gray. riding to the rescue, uh, rescue you from yourself. You saw oh,
4: the, you saw us waving. <laughs> I didn't. I oh,
1: want uh, you know I didn't want to be putting out that vibe, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you guys do a great job, even
5: just the two of you. That's uh, that's good. Anyway, I um. Something's come up recently, and, you know, a topic for your show that might be interested. You've talked a lot about uh, building boats and sailing boats and all of the stuff with that, but maybe you should talk about what happens to boats after they no longer useful. You know, uh, it could be everything from the Yacht Atlantic becoming a roadside diner to the fact that a lot of uh, people around here who are, uh, shall we say, uh, operating on the lower end of the economic uh, scale uh, who who use a boat in there to do clamming or something. When it comes time to get rid of it, they scrape off the identif- identity numbers and sink it out in the, in Frenchman Bay so that they don't have to pay the disposal fees. And it, uh, eventually, these things wash up on the shore. We had one wash up recently over here, and it's it's like it's 90% synthetic stuff. There's very little wood in it. It's mostly fiberglass and foam and this that and the other thing, and it's kind of a nasty thing for a property owner to have to to deal with uh and expensive if you really wanna dispose of it properly and so I was just thinking a topic might be how to uh alleviate this problem either by uh changing the cost of disposal or something, or I don't know I don't know what the problem would be. What the solution would be i 'm just putting it out there for um, for you and your audience to to talk about
1: I passed a tractor trailer full of crushed cars this morning, but you can 't really crush a fiberglass boat and uh, Crush cars that used to cost you money to dispose of them. Now you can make money. As a matter of fact, if you've got a junk car in your yard, you can donate it to this here radio station, and we will profit from it.
5: Well, maybe uh, they could uh, donate the old boat to the radio station. It's yeah, a good idea.
1: We were offered uh, the Boat Talk guys were offered at least one boat, and uh, you know looked at it uh, very. Uh, very skeptically about uh, fixing it up and selling it off for the radio station, maybe even making a community project out of it, and decided that that was really not very practical. But uh, you're right, a fiber, old fiberglass boat theoretically they last forever. Now I have seen uh, fiberglass boat up on a beach being uh, beat to pieces and. Between the ultraviolet of the sun and the pound and action of the rocket, will go down to little fiberglass shards, but it's going to take a long, long time.
5: And they're never going to disappear. And it's entirely. never going
1: to disappear entirely, you're correct. And you're right, The uh, they are hard, hard to dispose of. Uh, on the other hand, again, I've always wondered why we're building new boats when there's so many old unused ones around, you know. But uh, you don't want to say that out. Too out loud.
5: <laughs> anyway, I'm going to leave you guys to it. And uh, great show. I hope you get some more calls.
1: Okay.
4: Thank you, Gray. Yeah, thank you, Gray. We'll see what we can yeah. salvage from that. Boat recycling. Yeah, it, they are. Uh, especially the fiberglass ones are pretty much um, easily recyclable if you have the right knowledge and time.
1: The old wooden boats, they used to uh, drive them up into a mud bank and, and just kind of walk away from them, and another technique was to burn it and then go pick up the metal pieces after you've burned it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a fiberglass boat, will burn, but uh, that's not something you might want to do. It's not, not a good fire. So, yeah, boat recycling.
4: i uh, yeah. throw that one out there this morning. We'll talk about our uh, Boat Talk uh, business cards that we have. There's a picture of a boat on that one that's... Uh, Terminal, we'll call it.
1: In some distress, yes. I give those to people, and
4: and they say, are you
1: using this as a, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, is this your advertisement? Uh, Well, no. Is this your best work? Yeah. 1-866-625-9378. 9378 we got an open boat on Boat Talk this morning, and we love to just talk to anybody that wanders by. Uh, We do have a couple of little news items, too. For instance, I see that uh, Chanbro has uh, shipped more Modules to Long Harbor, Newfoundland. They're building them in Brewer on the side of the Penobscot River. And these are uh, going to a, I believe it's a nickel mine in Newfoundland. And these are electrical rooms that are, uh, oh, they're 25 feet wide, about uh, 60 to 125 feet long. They weigh about 450 tons each. Uh, Chambo's making 12 of them. And they just uh, shipped another one to Newfoundland. That is pretty cool that something that big can be made in Brewer, Maine, and shipped to Newfoundland. And the only way that is ever possible to do that is by water. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, explorers, I read a book by some explorers one time, and they says, well, if you know you want to take a lot of stuff, if you got to pick it up and and carry it on your back, you're kind of limited. You know, if you can drag it. With some uh say you got snow to drag it on, you've got a friction advantage, well that's a little bit better. If you can float it, bring everything. Mm-hmm. You know, because your carrying capacity is now just huge. And the idea of shipping things out of the state of Maine like that is kind of a beautiful thing and it can't be done anyway
4: but water. And the water is connected to the entire world. You're right. Yeah. Right. It is it's we guess we could look at it as a business opportunity for us Mainers because there are a lot of places in the country that are unable to do that. Well, and there's uh, you know there's been a long uh, history of the three
1: port policy in Maine. Uh, the whole Searsport thing is under uh, great controversy at the present time, and uh, you know we don't have a proper container port in the state of Maine. Uh, Portland is one of the biggest oil ports around but a lot of it goes up to Montreal by pipeline I believe it used to anyway I think it still does and uh, you know uh the best way to ship anything again is by boat uh, definitely the most efficient transport and can, you're you will butt the entire world when you have waterfront which is uh, a pretty big thing I would think and uh Chambro has uh Oh, they've shipped, uh, what, uh, uh, they've got five more of these things. Uh, This is the second of five shipments uh, by barge that Chambro is doing for this uh, mill in Newfoundland. Lobster fishery back in the news, too. And uh, last year was a record lobster catch, up over 100 million pounds. And just 10 years ago, the record catch was 49 million pounds. It's doubled in 10 years. Wow. Wow is right now the uh seventy eight percent of the fisheries value of all the fisheries in maine is in the lobster fishery nowadays, and that didn't used to be either, but uh the other fisheries are going by the board. There are hardly any ground fish boats left in the state of <coughs> yep. maine. Our friend Cod Glenn,
4: is a disaster now, yeah,
1: my friend Glenn Libby down in uh Tennis Harbor would be uh uh, you know, one of the last examples uh, going around, but uh, uh, mahogany clams are down, uh, you know, a bunch of things are down, but the lobsters are up. The largest lobster uh, catch in the state of Maine is right here in Hancock County, and the lob- largest lobster catch in Hancock County is the town of Stonington, Maine. That is the center of the lobster universe, if you want to think about it that way. The catch is up, but the profits for lobstermen are down. Because the price is down. It was over, up over $4 a couple of years ago. Now it's 3 uh, three thirty or so, uh, according to this thing in the paper. I don't know what it is today. Plus the cost of fuel. Cost of fuel, yes. And again, we've speculated in the past when the boys will go to more efficient vessels, catamarans, so to speak. And the first fellow that's lobster fishing out of a catamaran is going to get teased pretty hard by the other boys until they <laughs> get, compare their fuel uh, costs. So... Um, the lobster fishery—we've been talking about it. Um, again, it is setting records, and they ascribe that to our conservation me- measures here. <coughs> Excuse me. However, we had a news item, uh, and this is fodder for a, a future boat talk show as well. Diane Cowan uh, of the uh, Lobster Institute—I believe she's been in in the uh, science end of. Of uh, lobsters and promoting them for a long, long time, she's scared about the balance of the uh, the uh, profile of the population, and basically her contention is that they're about all the same
4: age. Our lobsters and we catch the teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Taking yes, just one, pretty much the total. Uh, we'll call them graduates of the from the lobster high school. Yeah, ecologically
1: like, speaking, the better, the more diversity you have in a population, the better off that population is to um, resist any kind of stresses and strains. If you have a, uh, you know, kind of a single single uh, profile population and something hits it, you're going to be in some trouble. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, we don't want to predict any kind of disaster, but the lobster fisheries to the southern here have crashed, basically. And I know this from uh, you know, twenty-five, thirty years of delivering boats that we used to have. To dodge lobster boys, uh, a lot harder than we do nowadays. Down to the south of here, in fact, they're they're uh, pretty rare. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Let's so, so. get the phone number again. Did it just ring? I yes, saw the it flash of lights. Somebody
4: yeah. just called one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
2: Morning, fellows.
4: Ah. What a wonderful voice! <laughs>
2: um, I would just like to uh, ask, sort of, go around a couple of things. There, there's a great oceanographer, um, Jacques Cousteau, who's now passed on. Mm-hmm. But I recall that he had developed a a solar-powered cargo ship, and um, this was back probably 20 years ago. And I was thinking, you know, I'd really like to see. Uh, more focus on maybe devolution and solar-powered, you know, boats and barges and that sort of thing. And the future is upon us, and they're going to be trying to build these giant windmills out there offshore and, uh, you know, wave-capturing energy bubbles and all this sort of thing. It just seems to me as though, you know, the, the life of the sailor is going to change a great deal. And um, that perhaps thinking in a futuristic manner wouldn't be such a hard throw up here that, you know, there's got to be a lot of creativity and innovation to, to cut down on the fuel and to make boats that are different and, you know, um, more sustainable and able to get in and out of the, the surface that we're going to be looking at in the future.
1: That's all. That's uh. Hold on Thank for you. a minute. Do you remember the uh, John F. Levitt was built in Rockland in the mid '70s, and the idea was to uh, go back to sail as a mode of of uh, hauling cargo. It was lost on its maiden voyage. The plan had a few flaws in it, including they didn't put an engine in the boat, and uh, they they uh, went to Haiti in December from home, Massachusetts. Got in a storm, did not act to save themselves. Um, the captain considered it too dangerous for people to go forward and, and secure the jib boom because there was oil coming out of a, uh, oh, they had a donkey engine for a, a small engine for a lifting cargo up forward. It had a overflow uh, a relief tube, uh, you know, a vent, ha, uh, oil was coming out of the vent for the uh, donkey engine up forward, making the deck slippery, so they just let the jib boom beat the boat to pieces, um, among ah. other things, but... Your point is good, though. That's why I brought that up, is is uh, nowadays you wouldn't have to just go back to wind. You could think about alternative, uh, again, making solar power, um, making wind power when you're on the boat. Uh, mm-hmm. They are fantastically, I must say, uh, I've, I've delivered a bunch of boats that have wind generators hanging on the backstay. They're kind of noisy and will kind of make you a little crazy while they're in there. Uh, there are... Also, methods where you spin your propeller. We talked about an electric boat. Uh, uh, Pip, uh, Pip Wick, who we had on, is making it a hybrid boat. Uh, he's hybridized his diesel engine in his yacht so that it has... Uh, uh, the the uh, diesel engine does not run the propeller. It, it uh, puts energy into batteries, which run the... Uh, uh, generators mm-hmm. run, the, run the batteries, which run the propeller. And, again, this technology didn't exist back in the 70s and is coming on fast now. So that's very a very, very excellent point. Where are you calling from this morning?
2: Well, I'm calling from Orono. But I also recall that a couple of months ago you had somebody on who was discussing the potential of just using the actual energy from movement um, to capture electricity in a boat. I'm not exactly sure. I think it was storing it in batteries. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, that was, that was, uh, was, that that was Pipwick guy? and his hybridized <laughs> yacht. Yeah. And again, if if uh, you have motion and you can make something spin, you can make electricity. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should get on these things. These are new technologies that would create jobs and be better for the planet. Um, people should be thinking forward. Yeah. So thanks a lot for your show. I really enjoy it.
1: Well, oh, thank you. Bye bye. It's a wonderful vision. Uh, We had a call. Somebody wants to know the contact information for the boat school, and you want to get a hold of Perry Marine Construction, 54 Gleason Cove Road down in Perry, Maine. Phone number 853-6020 for the boat school down to Eastport. And also speaking of Eastport, they are just about to deploy the tide turbine off of Eastport which is going to make, I forget how many kilowatts, and it's uh, still experimental, but looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly going to work. The unintended consequences are something we always talk about on Boat Talk, too. There are uh, There's no free... Oh, let me sigh hard for a minute. There's no free love, and there ain't no free uh, energy on the planet when you get right down to it. It's, uh mm-hmm. unfortunate, inescapable conclusions. And, uh, you know, uh, but times are changing, and, and uh, technology... Hopefully we'll
4: we'll provide a way out of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, we have another phone call, so Great. let's go to that one. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk.
6: Hi, <clears throat> Steve Hudson down in Copper Harbor. How you, you doing? Darling, How are you? Steve.
4: I flashed through you. You flashed through my mind when we were talking about catamaran boats.
6: <laughs> well, I'm working on one right now, a uh, ferry for an operation, and uh, I got other stuff I'm working on. Spec boats, one of these days, but work. Luckily, I got work that pays, so the spec sits. But um, talking about efficient ways to, to move vessels, one of the hard things to realize is that the, the amount of horsepower it takes to move a large ship is quite significant. And the less horsepower you use, the slower it goes, or the smaller the vessel. And the problem with uh, solar power is it's just a very low-density uh, source of energy. Um, harnessing the wind with kites or sails or... Um, um, kites of sails works, but again, it's a that becomes a very uh, complicated and complex system. It's not it's certainly not trivial, as you know, to move a small vessel with a with a rig. The loads on it are tremendous. Think of what it's like to move something uh, you know a thousand times bigger than that. And my my point being that in all this talk about trying to be more efficient, the place that we need to be more efficient is on land, where we can do stuff like this, where we can put out stuff that can collect low-density energy, like solar power, and reserve the oil to where it needs to go, which is transportation, because there really aren't too many alternative ways for moving um, large volumes of stuff
1: across the oceans.
6: I'll get off my high horse. Good luck. Thanks a lot.
1: Math is cruel, isn't it, Steve, sometimes? It is. Yeah. It's,
6: uh, It's frustrating, but we keep trying to make things more efficient. Thanks. We'll yeah.
4: see you. Thank you, Steve. Yep. Bye. Um Bye. I remember seeing a a boat that somebody had converted. Uh, it was probably about a forty foot formerly power boat that they'd converted to being solar powered, and uh, it had all the beauty of a railroad car. And you can imagine all these flat panels all, all across the top. windage. Yeah. yeah, windage is bad on a boat. Yeah. It. it I, I. It was moving through the water. I mean, he was making it work, but uh, there's certainly a uh, as steve says it takes a whole lot of panels to get the amount of energy that you really want to make something go
1: we talk about the carrying capacity of uh you know what you can what you can put on a barge on a boat and float um you know but it's not always that the water is benign and and or or going in your direction mm-hmm. you have currents tides uh the wind against you there are forces that need to be overcome if they're not working for you um you know, and the old boys in the uh, sailboats, they would wait for a chance, as they called it. Uh, you know, sometimes you just couldn't get there from here today right. uh, yeah. if it was dead to windward and, and uh, you know uh, against the tide and, and no room to tack you're just it's just not going to happen. So again,, uh, oh, the, no free energy, uh, strictly speaking on the planet. We are doing Boat Talk this morning, and we left the boat open to talk to you folks. one 625 9378 is the phone number here. I was uh, telling you about the, uh, you know how all the lobsters tend to be teenagers nowadays, but here's a little article from the uh, Bangor Daily News, and a fellow caught a 27-pound lobster off a of Rockland. It was about 40 inches long. He's called it Rocky because it's got such big claws, uh, yeah. you know. And he has donated it to the Maine State Aquarium, apparently. Uh, No, to the Department of Marine Resources has it in its aquarium in Booth Bay Harbor. And they are out there. That was caught offshore. 27-pound lobster. Um, We're all thinking, yeah, it'd probably be kind of (laughs) tough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Don't want to eat that guy. So uh, let me talk about uh, Jeff Gold and the... uh, Charles W. Morgan that he's been working on for the last couple of years, he fit, sends a, an email once in a while and gives us an update of how things are going. Um, They're starting to plank up the outside of the boat now. When we talked to him last, they were just finishing the ceiling on the inside of the of all the ribs. Now the a, a planking on the outside, uh, here's where the, where the puns come in. He sent a picture, and I think... Uh, People think that Mike and I know a lot about boats, but I think this will bring a question to your mind, too, because uh, in this picture, Mike, um, Jeff says, Note the new gripe awaiting a new stem. Now, I've heard a lot of gripes on boats, but I don't think I've ever seen a gripe on a boat. I was thinking that if a boat gripes, maybe it... it
1: uh, uh it kind of stalls out, uh, pointed up into the wind. Perhaps. Yeah, that's an
4: attitude. No, this is this is a uh, a piece of wood. A piece of wood. A I new, could not point gripe. to the
1: gripe on the char- Charles W. Morgan. Uh, let's throw yeah. that one out there this morning.
4: Yeah. He also mentioned that the gripe is not a four-foot knee, which gives us a little bit of a clue. But Does anybody
1: know what a gripe is? Does <laughs> that resonate with anybody? I couldn't, again, I'm a boat builder. I couldn't point at it. Yeah. I, what's I, what's, what's a, your gripe this morning? Yeah, you know what?
4: no gripe with that. Do you know anything about the Charles Morgan's gripe? Yeah. Uh, what's a gripe? But uh, interestingly also for you people who do... Uh, like to look at YouTube, there is a uh, YouTube uh, link for the uh, construction of the or the repair, or the restoration of the Morgan. The uh, YouTube is uh, site is called USA One Whale Ship Zero. <laughs> I'm not sure just the significance of that, but USA One Whale Ship Zero, and you can see some uh, some of the activities going on uh, rest- restoring the the Morgan, which now has a uh, anticipated July. 2013 launch date, at which time the boat will be 172 years old. Uh, there
1: aren't a lot of whale ships left, Alan. The uh, industry has changed. Yeah. Once again, the phone number here, one and there's a couple people waiting on the phone. Let's say hello. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
0: Good morning. How are you? Good. Who are we speaking Good with? Where are you at? I'm Richard Kane. I'm in uh, Sedgwick.
1: All right. Hello, Richard. What's up, hey. Richard?
0: And I have a, a common question. Um, you had mentioned earlier that the reason why the uh, lobsters are doing so well is due to conservation, and maybe we need a clarification of that uh, from you. But my understanding is that the um, the reason why the lobsters are doing so well is that the groundfish are all but gone, and the ground groundfish, uh, the lobsters, were the a food for the groundfish. So the problem with that is that um, it leaves an industry that, uh, or a fishery, that is all but uh, uniculture. And if anything out there could um, uh, hurt the lobsters, then the uh, jobs for all the fishermen uh, would be threatened. What do you know about this? I mean, what I've heard is from the Penobscot East Resource Center, which is a great uh, uh, research center for um, the fisheries in uh, in the Gulf of Maine.
4: Yes, those are good people down there. That's
1: an ex- absolutely excellent point, Richard. Again, the predators for the cod are uh, really not there like they used to I'm sorry, Predator the predators question. for the lobsters are not there like they used to be. There is um, news out that the cod population has been reassessed, and scientifically speaking, it's an absolute disaster, mess, crashing, and mm. the fishermen do not want to agree with that. They can still catch them, and that proves to the fishermen that there's a cod, but you're right uh, you mess well uh... i got a degree in biology and the most interesting stuff that was studied was ecology and the ecological web is is uh... such an important concept because the web each part pulls on each other part and in some ways you can't even you can't even uh... appreciate and unicultures as you say is dangerous business mm-hmm. in in uh... the real world yeah i think
0: it's important for the uh... To retain the, the the jobs in in our on our coast that we have a diverse uh, fishing industry and a diverse population of, of fish and ground fish are really important to bring back um, i, I don 't know what the current state of the work is uh, d- uh, do you to bring back the um, uh, ground fish
1: well there 's going to be a lot less uh, fishing for them according to the new uh, ground fish assessment, uh, which again is uh, you know the first way uh, I guess improve the stock is is not catch the other ones, but right no, it, it's a mess, man. And and uh... one thing I learned from fishermen a long time ago was catching the fish is not the hard part of the job; it's selling it. You know, you got to right. have markets. There's no more uh, fish market down in Portland like there used to be, for instance. That's why all the boats are are have not gone to Massachusetts. Mm. Um, the ones that are still fishing the Gulf of Maine, uh, you know, used to come and go from Maine here, and and they. They've just all moved to Massachusetts. Um, again, delivering boats, we dodge those things hard, going back and forth, Point Judith, Rhode Island, uh, uh, New Bedford, Mass, mm. uh, Gloucester. They are just streaming in and out of there. Sp- uh, going past Point Judith in the night, you are going to be dodging fishing boats coming back and forth off that R2 buoy there. Right. There's a there's a procession of them, so they're, again, the effort is, mm. is still out there, but it, it's not being concentrated here in the state of Maine uh... again seventy eight percent of our fisheries value now is just in the lobsters uh, they've crashed to the south of here uh... again we're we're kind of uh, encouraging uh... single-age culture and i hate to sound pessimistic about it but man it, it worries me and we do intend to talk to diane cowan about this uh... sometime in the near future
0: is it uh, crashing south of here because the waters are warming up
1: that's part of the theory. The there are several theories. Uh, another one was that uh, uh, too much pesticides in the water, too
4: much runoff from uh, uh, fertilizer from people's lawns, and uh, uh, fish farms also are some 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 sometimes a source of uh, lobster uh, because they use a uh, insecticide in the uh, fish farms to keep the uh, mm. sea lice out of the salmon's, and unfortunately, it's has. Drastic effects on lobsters in the area, too. Right. Some people correlate it
1: with the uh, heavy spraying they did for West Nile virus a few years back. Mm. And now they catch lobsters down there. They haven't disappeared completely, but a lot of them have what called call black shell disease, and they come up all ugly. Mm. And again, you caught that lobster, but you can't sell it now. Nobody's going to want to eat a, an ugly black lobster on their right.
0: plate. I think it's important to, to recognize and to emphasize that the whole reason to have a, a, a real multicultural um, population of, of fish is to retain the jobs in in uh, on our on our coast. And uh, and if we need to, uh, you know, for the time for a certain periods of time, cut back on on catching certain breeds of fish, then I think that that's a. Uh, and and if we need to raise the price of uh, some fish, perhaps a, a small bit, so that the fishermen can continue to earn uh, a decent living, then I think that that's a reasonable approach.
1: Problem is, once you suspend a fishery, uh, it's hard to get the fishermen back. It requires an ongoing mm-hmm. effort and capitalization, and right. again, you can't just pick up your cod boat after uh, setting it aside for years. Mm. Um, I'd be curious. I haven't been down there for so long, but I'd be curious. Uh, you know how things have changed down to Newfoundland uh, mm. over the years of, of their big cod disaster, and I know the fisheries come back. I'm not sure what state it's in now, honestly speaking. Mm. But it's a great question great great question, Richard.
0: Yep. Well yep. I appreciate your, your show and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to ask you the question. Oh thank you, Richard. Love to talk okay. to you. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good day.
1: Bye. Yeah, and somebody else is waiting on the other end of one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. You can give a call anytime. We're doing boat talk this morning, contemplating things naval. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
5: Hi, it's Greg, again. I got the answer to your great question. All, All right. right. I went to the Oxford English Dictionary, the analog version, and it comes from uh, the word for griffin, you know, the mythical beast. Right. Okay. Uh, It became something called a gripe foot, which is the foot of a vessel made in the form of a griffin's claw. But the most recent use of it... uh, is as the piece of timber terminating the keel at the forward extremity, sometimes taken as the forefoot. And the the 1882 use of it it defines it very well. It says, it's a projection forward at the lowest part of the stem, which by exposing a larger surface prevents the foremost part of the ship when sailing with the wind on the side from being driven sideways by the wind. Okay, huh. so it's I guess it's it's a plank stuck out in the front to keep it from from weathering too much or whatever. Huh. Okay, very, very
1: good. Th- the keel being uh, the major longitudinal. Um, structural member of, of uh, any vessel, and the stem has to come up from that at a good angle. To, you know, some of them stick up at 90 degrees, some of them come up at a much less angle, but how do you join those two things? I believe that's our gripe this morning.
5: There you go. Yeah, good. thank okay. you, Greg. Community to the rescue. <laughs> the
1: analog, the pa- you looked that up on the paper version of yeah.
4: the uh, dictionary. Good for you, man. Uh, I'm, I, I'm proud that we we'll gladly accept gripes here. Well, there are,
1: there are no more small mysteries anymore. You come up with a, a funny question and somebody will whip out their iPhone and answer it for you in, in uh, you know, half a second. So it kind of takes a mystery out of some things. But are we getting smarter? Hard to judge.
4: I'd like to quickly interject um, back to, the, uh, to Richard, who was calling about fisheries in general. Um, one good source for getting information on that is uh, the monthly... Newspaper called Fisherman's Voice that gets picked up in a lot of places along the coast, and in this month's article, there's an article, a little, yeah, a a letter by our friend Dennis Damon talking about uh, the fisheries in general. And he said he recently viewed a DVD that I would really like to get a hold of. I think he can probably get it through our libraries, but the DVD is entitled "The End of the Line: Where Have All the Fish Gone?" And it's a uh, probably not a very Cheery DVD, but as part of that DVD, and I find this very amazing. Um, it mentions that now there is a, a, a trawl a midwater trawl net now. That is hauled by two boats, and it is wide enough to take thirteen 747
1: jumbo jets. Pair trawlers, I come up on one of those in the middle of the Gulf of Maine at night. I could not tell what
4: those light. What was happening? I thought it was an aircraft carrier with security boats well, around it. It, it, must so be, much light. it must be at least a half a mile wide. I mean, they're talk about overfishing. Yeah. But anyway, uh, f- check out Fisherman's Voice. There's lots of good information in that, uh, that
1: One more newspaper. press note here, and then we'll go right back to the phones because the phone's ringing hard here this morning. The Village Soup has gone down. It is uh, out of business, bankrupt. And they uh, covered the waterfront extensively mm-hmm. through their newspapers and, and their web service there. The Bar Harbor Times out of business, uh, the uh, Courier Gazette, and and uh, all the uh, local newspapers in and, and Knox and Waldo County gone. Besides covering town meetings, which nobody else can afford to do, they covered the waterfront pretty hard. It was a good part of their beat. it uh, be interesting to see what comes of that and and uh,
4: how it shakes out. Okay. So, back to the telephone. Yes, yeah, let's see who's called. one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 9378 Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
7: Good morning. This is Tim O in Brooklyn.
4: I'm Tim, Tim O.
7: And I really enjoy your show. It's, I rarely hear it because I'm... I'm Scrabbling around, treading water hard, trying to keep my head up. But when I do hear it, I always I I keep it on. About the gripe, I'm looking at the plans for the cat's paw dinghy, (laughs) which I'm actually got one going now. But the you got the on the traditional stem, you got the stem coming down, and then about I'd say two thirds of the way down, right where it's really sweeping down to, to horizontal, there's a seam there. Behind that seam is the knee, and then there's a piece about, it looks like a 2 foot, 18 inches, that is called the gripe, and it, it has the tongue that goes up over the top of the uh, keel. So it's the it's the very, I imagine it's called the gripe because it's down there, it's the first thing to hit the rocks when you, when you go ashore. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you building a cat's paw dinghy, Tim?
7: I am, actually, I'm on my fourth one now.
1: Fourth one?
7: Yeah, this I've Not seen all that. for
1: personal use.
7: No, 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 no. This one I'm building, this is the second one I'm building is a a glued lap and uh, a quarter-inch of I, I really like it. I, uh, I haven't gotten one of these in the water yet. I've got one that I finished last year. I said this winter I had the shop empty. I said, I better just do something. So I'm building it on spec. It's coming up. It looks beautiful, but. We'll see. We'll see. I may have to put some lead in it to pull it down a little bit.
1: Hmm. Anybody needs a cat spa dinghy, how can they get a hold of you?
7: Oh, I'm at the, uh, I'm at the bottom of Hales Hill Road, One Twenty Seven Hales Hill Road here in Brooklyn.
1: All right. Very good. And
7: I had a comment about the lobster and about the, the lo- loss of species and the loss of diversity. There was an analogy that I read somewhere that was just so perfect, and it was this whole, whole life system that we're all part of. That it's like an airplane, and every time one we lose a rivet, it's like losing a species. Hmm. And you can lose a rivet here, and you can lose a rivet there, but we're getting pretty thin on rivets these days. And and there's a lot of things happening in the ocean, a whole lot of stresses that I, I think if I was a lobster fisherman, I'd be I'd be salting away as much money as I could right now because I have a, a feeling that that bad times are ahead for, for anything that comes out of the water. Another stress that, that wasn't mentioned was the acidification of the ocean, which really affects shellfish. There fish. you go.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're right.
7: All
4: right, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tim. And we do have another call, too. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
8: Good morning. This is Peter Dunn at Sprucehead. Hi, Peter. Um, I've been reading in my little dictionary about the gripe. I've got one called the Failing Dictionary that Sail Magazine put out. And they define it first as the member joining the stem to the keel. So that goes along with your last fellow's description of mm-hmm. that piece of wood joining there. The second definition is a boat that gripes carries too much weather helm and continuously tries to luff up towards the wind. Right.
1: Huh? Yeah, I was close on that one. Yep.
8: So, and that may be what that other fellow was describing with that uh, longitudinal plank or something to help prevent that
1: from happening. Weather helm, every once in a while we try to explain our uh, technical terms around boat talk here because one of our favorite compliments is, I don't know nothing about boats, but I like that boat talk. So (laughs) uh, weather helm is, let's imagine you're steering the boat and you let go of the wheel. Um, It will turn up into the wind by itself. Um, uh, If it had a lee helm, it would turn away from the wind. That would be a bad thing. It's safe for the boat to turn up into the wind because it's going to stall up there and and uh you know won't won't uh, turn sideways and get in all kinds of trouble being blown down um, on the other hand it's a matter of balance uh you know whether uh the center of effort from the sails is balanced over the center of uh Resistance of the boat, you know, and and you get those things right, you can have a a neutral helm, but a little bit of weather helm is considered good. A Mm -hmm. lot is not good. You fight the boat all the time. Right. Yeah. I
8: guess catboat sailors.
1: Right, (laughs) exactly.
4: (laughs) Constantly tugging on those tilts. Right. And you, with a catboat especially, you can uh, control the helm a little bit by uh, adjusting your centerboard up or down too. Yep.
1: Yep. And again,
4: it's all about center of effort forward and aft. Yep. Yep. Yep.
8: Uh, On the news of uh, Village Soup, we were reading a report last night that quite possibly the uh, folks at the Free Press um, may be in the process of purchasing the Village Soup conglomerate there and uh, may as soon as next week have things back up and going.
1: It's hard to believe that... You know, there, there would not be those local papers, although a friend this morning showed me yesterday's Bangor Daily News, and we went through it looking for ads that weren't hardly any. Mm. And all of them have .com on it. Uh, the Bangor Daily was advertising itself, and every time it did, it it uh, included the .com, which is a big way they're doing business nowadays, but uh, ad content, wow, way, way down price of the paper has just gone up too so yeah. hard times yeah. for uh, That's paper. a nice
8: blend with the village soup yeah formula um, yeah. is to, to blend the two um, so that they help each other out.
1: It was a great idea and apparently it wasn't quite working out so can't wait to see what happens next.
8: Well maybe somebody with some
1: more business smarts gets in there
8: because <laughs> I think the model does work you got to figure out how to get
1: it to pay. We got to have news of what's uh, you got to have your local news somehow. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's a problem to uh, cover it. Um, you know, who's going to go sit at every town meeting? Hmm. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks, Peter. Good okay. talk to you this yep. morning. Phone's been ringing hard here. we got a uh, strobe flasher, and it. it has been a little lightning storm here this morning. Is somebody else standing by?
4: I think we have a, a brief reprise right now. Oh, no, there is one more person. Let's go right to him. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
3: Morning. This is a visionary calling in from freedom.
4: Freedom, uh, yes. I, good to live in freedom, man.
3: I love it. Beautiful, working on homestead life and simple. All right, so you you were talking earlier about the ships that drag the net and wide enough to to grab uh, aircraft, airplanes.
4: It's wide that, enough to take in thirteen seven forty sevens.
3: Oh my goodness! Just the thought of that it's yeah my mind. I'd love to know uh a what as a as a like a fisherman's philosophy that kind of practice if, if that's a if you kind of agree with that and or if it takes away from smaller industries smaller fishermen is that is that kind of ruining the gigs of the smaller fishermen
4: well uh, I think it's just, peru- <laughs> <even> more more <laughs> than just the small fishermen, but yeah you're right it this one has to be t- towed by two boats, but still it's huge, and it's taking away you know great resource. And what kind
3: of damage does that do to other, other ecosystems?
4: <clears throat> well, I don't have any more information on about that, but it seems to me that a big trawl like that would be hauled for a very long distance, too, so I think that any whale or <clears throat> turtle or any other uh, air-breathing animal would probably suffocate.
3: Oh, amazing. I love this show. I don't know anything about boats, and this is, this is where I'm learning slowly.
4: <laughs> well,
1: efficiency is good, Okay, it's good to uh, catch fish with the least amount of effort, but, again, you cannot catch all the fish. The story about the lobster landings also says that uh, uh, herring landings went up from 4 million pounds to 5.1 million pounds last year, so that we're catching more of them. I tell you what, I go uh, back and forth across the Gulf of Maine about a dozen times a year, more or less, and... uh, you just don't see any more fishing, you don't see fishing boats out there there's the traffic at night of fishing boats is is getting very very rare uh, yeah and it's uh indeed. it has changed over the last twenty five uh, thirty years no doubt about it but and again uh a summer or two ago came up on a uh uh two pair trawlers that were uh, working at night and coming up on these things you recognize vessels <laughs> by their lights at night and this looks like a small city up here and and a lot of white bright lights mm-hmm. and and obviously somebody 's working doing something and I am trying to puzzle out who 's up here in front of me and what I need to do about it. What the heck is this
4: yeah what they 're towing or you know yeah
1: for a while, I thought it was an air. it had to be an aircraft carrier, and perhaps the little lights I saw going around, which were were net tendon boats turned out to be uh, two big boats uh, at some distance from each other, all flood lit up with net tendon boats running around them confused me badly. I thought perhaps there had been some national emergency that I hadn't uh, heard of while we were offshore. And here was an aircraft carrier and, and with security boats around and, and just puzzled, puzzled me greatly. And again, it was quite a sight to see. They were very busy. And, uh, uh, you know, again, the efficiency is good, but you can't catch all the fish. Right. right. Yeah. Cool.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, yeah. Thank
4: you. Have a we good have day
1: down at the Homestead and Freedom today, bud.
4: Yeah. yeah, Good. We have another phone call. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
1: Morning, gentlemen. Interesting show today. Hey, Michael. Michael from Stonington, one of our all-time favorite regular suspects.
9: Yeah, so, um, well, a couple of things that, uh, that, you know, got my attention in your calls. And um, I can tell you that my experience last year in the northwest coast of Newfoundland that there was no cod fishery. Don't remember the species they said they were landing. There were some boats coming into uh, Bond Bay but no talk of cod in Labrador, which of course is just on the other side of the Straits of Belle Isle and up the coast there the cod fishery is absolutely nonexistent. The the only thing they're fishing for is snow crabs. That that's the only only fishing industry in Labrador that's still alive.
1: How the economy so, seemed to you in general down there, what the heck are they doing to make up for it? That's I mean, Newfoundland wouldn't have been there without cod.
9: Well, I don't, you know, the thing about the northwest coast is it's pretty quiet, I, and I did not get a chance to do, I would love to circumnavigate Coal Island, and, you know, the east and southeast coast is the most populous and uh, the most interesting, and we just stopped sort of en route up, to you know, going up the coast of Labrador because our original intention was to go across the nuke in Greenland, um, which we had to abandon.
1: How anymore. are you traveling, Michael?
9: A 46-foot Peterson Cutter. Nice. Uh, yeah, really good boat, actually, with an Australian um, doctor that sailed it here um, from Australia via the Southern Ocean in Cape Horn. And, um, pretty interesting guy. And, uh, yeah, really good boat, really well sorted. And, and by the way, uh, Michael, we had a brand-new, we installed in deck, Nova Scotia, a brand-new eclectic energy. It's a British um uh, wind generator, and I just cannot say enough good things about it. Totally silent, very powerful, no vibration. Um, it was either a D300 or D400, I, but um, quite a quite quite a large unit, really. But um, yeah, on, on the stern, on a stainless steel pipe, and uh, a big big improvement. I, I did not experience the the old one, but he said it was a big big improvement. But uh, totally non-intrusive, very very very.
4: What was the name of that again?
9: Eclectic energy.
1: Eclectic. That's an excellent little, uh, you know, take on electric. I love it. Yeah,
9: yeah. So it's a British unit and um, really a beautiful quality piece of gear. I really can't say enough good things about it. So we had that and a couple of solar panels. How's
1: how's business down at your boatyard this season?
9: Uh, Busy as usual and uh, no complaints. Um, Well, yes, I could complain. No gripes. but <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to make a comment about the gentleman called about you know it takes a lot of power to push boats, and and I think I think that one of the um, one of the things that about pushing the boat along is actually you know every boat has a theoretical hull speed, which is approximately one point two five to one point three five times the square root of the waterline length. So and and that hull speed is that when when you're going from zero knots up to that hull speed, actually it takes very, very little energy to move a boat. It's when you hit that hull speed that you're hitting the wall. You're hitting the seriously steep hill, and that's where your fuel consumption and your energy costs skyrocket. Uh, One of the boats I maintain here has a modern Volvo electrically controlled diesel in it, and um, it's a 33-foot boat. And you can cruise, you can cruise at eight, nine knots and burn a gallon and a half an hour. But if you want to go ten, eleven knots, you 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 go four gallons an hour in heartbeat. And um, and that's you, you know that I think that's when you look at the, mod, the, the challenges to face with scarce and expensive fuel. Um, this, this multi-hull talk for a lobster, for lobster boats, I know. I know, as you said, the first guy to do it is going to get heaped upon. <laughs> All kinds of derision will be heaped upon him. But I saw a catamaran in the Orkney Isles. It was a lobster boat. And um, if you think about it, if, if you build it long, that so you've got the waterline length. Um, you've got two narrow, easily driven hulls. It can be really wide. so It gives you a big, stable working platform. And uh, you can put the motor anywhere you want. Hmm. Just has to drive a hydraulic pump or a generator, whichever you prefer. Probably a hydraulic pump, and you put a hydraulic, you put a hydraulic motor in each hull, and and the hydraulic pump to drive your pot hauler. And and uh, seems to me that someone had the uh, temerity to get out there and do it, even though you're not going to get as many lobsters because you, you're cruising at let's say 11. 12 knots, not 20, 25, like these guys go these days, um, in the end, you'll, you know, the bottom line, when you come in at the end of the day, is that you will have, you will have spent a lot less money on fuel, and probably a lot less money on bait, and I think you'll come out ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the first person to jump off this cliff um, here in Stonington and see, see what happens, but... There's our fortune,
1: man. Let's design and market it and sell it to the boys. We'll make a million bucks. What do you think? <laughs> M- make, make a fortune building boats, right?
9: Okay, yeah, yeah, right. I've heard that one before. Too
1: much honest labor, bud, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Inescapable, honest labor. Can't get around it.
9: Yeah, but really, you know, that, the, that, that old thing of the... the um, it really is It's why hybrid cars are, are I, you know, I think not such a great thing. You, when you hit the hill... The battery power turns off and the gasoline power comes on, and that's and that's their shortcoming. You know, you got it. That that what that that hull speed is the is the all controlling factor, and that's that's where your costs just skyrocket. Right. So you need a 70 foot long catamaran. That's the solution.
4: <laughs> yep. All
9: right.
4: <laughs> Thank you, Michael. All
9: right, man. I'm gonna let you go. I got to get back to work. I got a bulkhead I'm cutting out here, but uh, good to talk to you and. Uh, Maybe next
1: month. Thank you so yeah. much. We are uh, running out of time at the end of Boat Talk here, but Alan's got to plug the main Boat Builder yes. Show is coming up.
4: Yes, I'm always glad to mention the main Boat Builder Show happens down in Portland uh, on this weekend coming now, and there's all kinds of uh, good boats to look at. And just quickly tell you about one thing that noticed uh, that I saw. At noon on Saturday, they're going to have a marine troubleshooting competition <laughs> yeah. Why look for marine trouble, Alan? Man. No, this is this is <laughs> There's for high plenty school, occurs it, naturally. This is for high school students who are actually in the learning phase and they want to be able to uh, have a little competition between different groups to uh, see uh, how how sharp they are at picking out. Excellent, excellent. Things what like. are the what's the dates for the boat show? The boat show is Friday, Saturday and Sunday. The uh, what is it? The third week in March usually. Yeah, well it's it's this this coming Friday anyway. The okay. set, I think it's the seventeenth or sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. Um, and you can there's a website if you would like to check things out. The website is portlandcompany.com, dot com. Portland dot com forward slash boat show.
1: Boat shows uh, let's put it this way, there's a lot of people walking around there smiling. It's yeah. a, it's a happy event. Yeah. It's a very happy event. And right now there are a lot of people in boat shops all over the place, frantically trying to get their stuff together to haul down to the boat show. They've actually, uh, you know, taking boats out the door with wet paint on them, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And and then we get down there and you find out that other people bring their works in progress, and you didn't have to finish it to bring it down and show it. And that, what a what a uh, revelation that was! But again, uh, not really doing that so much anymore nowadays. But the boat show, uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th, down to the Portland Company down the east end of. Uh, Commercial Street in Portland would be where you're aiming for. Well, I thought I think it was a good thing to have uh, the audience as guests this morning, so to speak, an open boat. It was a good one. Yeah, we do not... Uh, i got a list somewhere of people we ought to talk to. We don't hurt for ever anything to talk about on Boat Talk. That's one of the uh, great charms of the thing, and we do it Second I Tuesday monthly. The you the can check it boat boat out at BoatTalk.org, and other programs are archived at WERU.org. Thanks for listening.
2: Mainstream media.